We're talking in the Kuzari about the knowledge that Chazal had of the solar system. It was a knowledge which came with an understanding of the mathematics involved in that, because to appreciate uh, the positioning of the planets, one had to work out uh, both the calculations of where the various planets would fall, also there was a certain amount of geometry to understand the angle with the sun, and uh, maybe even trigonometry to understand the angle which the, the light would hit the world and where it was, the angle would be at sunset, sunrise, or to be the corresponding constellation of stars at the time. And uh, you made it through the Chachmusah, it brought with it an understanding of many of the other fields of what we call Chachmachitzayna, of secular wisdom as well. And that's the guy that's going to tell us, you hold it and it's still in the middle of Eretz Chachmachitzayna, and he says, Vavarishivakvoin vahamiti shabam. When you have to be kaveh something, this is the clearest way to do it and the most emethic. How would it be possible for the Chacham to come to a knowledge of the Tkufas Chama, which means, like we said, the cycle of the sun, which is the 28-year cycle, Tkufas Levana, which is the monthly cycle of the moon, and we'll come up with the Dekas of Rura, we'll come up completely accurate, and the proof of the accuracy is that we see we never have to adjust the system. It must be that they had the Tkhuna, which means the mathematics, where the calculator is completely, completely <coughs> accurate. And that's how they knew exactly when to expect to see things where they were. We're referring to the Gemara Shoshana. And the Gemara there is talking about the fact that even though the Kapasuk says that the way we determine Rishchodesh is when two witnesses come and tell us they saw the moon, and but we don't just leave it like that. We ask the witnesses where they saw the moon, what position the moon was, what angle the moon was, and it has to match what we know is true. Right. In other words, there wasn't something which Chacham were blindly relying on whatever the witnesses said. Chacham knew exactly where the moon was meant to be seen, and what angle it was meant to be, and what position it was meant to be. And then right away of seeing other end of the truth on that, because it had to line up with the way we expected to see it. And if it didn't, it means Adam weren't seeing the moon. So it wasn't that Kiddush uh, HaShachayi, the was just, whatever the Adam said, we accept with that understanding. It's that the Adam had to say what, what, that they saw the moon where we knew the moon was going to be. And the Gemara talks about this, the Gemara talks about Gamil having various shapes of moons, and the most seriously, and, his, and he asked the Adam to identify exactly the angle and the shape that they saw the moon in, and again, to show that, because he knew which the right option was, and if the Adam's testing didn't line up with what uh, he knew the moon had to be, so then he wouldn't accept the testimony. And therefore the Gemara tells us some of the calculations that Chazal had, in knowing when, when and where the moon will be seen. And when and where the moon will be seen, and that's one of the commands talks about this, is that it's 24 hours, that the moon's invisible. And, uh, and therefore, based on when it was last seen, is where we'll see the moon 24 hours later, just another direction. Because what really happens is, and this is something we can see ourselves, is that the point of the new man is when the moon is in between the world and the sun. So we can't see the moon because the sun which is shining on the moon and when you see the reflection of that light, the sun is completely shining on the other side of the moon. So the side of the moon we see is completely dark, so we don't see the moon. Now as the, they separate from each other, so you start to get the uh, you start to get a faint a glow of the edge of the moon which which we can now see the reflection of the sun. As they separate further and the, and they they more far, farther apart so then you see more of a reflection of the sun until at the full month which is the middle of the month, the sun and the moon are opposite sides of each other, 
and therefore the sun is shining on the moon, which is the side we can see of the moon, and we see the full moon. Now, which way does it go? In other words, when they start off together at the same point, which is by the moment, by the way the moon begins, and now they, they start to part company. So, who moves first? Does the sun move ahead of the moon, or does the moon move ahead of the sun? In other words, when you're going to see the two together, so when the, if, if you, I want to ask the same question, uh, just in a different context, when we see, yeah, we look at the sky, we see the moon. Which side of the moon are we going to see that first? We're going to see this side that up first. We're going to see this side that up first. And it's really the same question, because uh, the if the sun is ahead of the moon, then the part of the when the sun's over here, we're not going to see anything. Because then the, the, star, the side of the moon facing us is completely dark, the sun's behind us. But as, if the sun is moving ahead of the moon, then as this, the angle of the sun goes higher, it's going to start shining on this top, so, so to speak, of the moon, and you'll see that first. And as the sun eventually makes more distance, we'll see more and more of the moon from the top down, because the, the angle will be such that it will be reflecting more and more of the moon, until we get to the middle of the month, and the sun's opposite the moon, and then is reflecting, we see the whole reflection of the moon, because it's, and then as we get near the beginning of the month, the moon recedes until we see that the bottom curve of the moon um, at the end of the month was the other way around. Is it the moon it goes ahead of the sun, and therefore we're going to see that the, it starts shining from is from the bottom tip of the because now the moon's progressed ahead of the sun, and and so therefore we're going to see the reflection starting from the bottom. Which one around is it? That's what the Gemara is addressing over there. Um, what the Gemara means it says. Which means the way the way the sun is will always be the fuller side of the moon, obviously, because the sun is reflected. And uh, to work the calculations out is quite complicated because you need to know two things. Obviously, you have to know the speed that the sun and the moon are moving at, which no one would know that is. If we know how big their orbit is, so if we know how, how big the orbit of, uh, in other words, let's say about the, under the daily cycle of the world spinning on its axis as opposed to the cycle of how the moon has to go around the world, which is faster. Then we'll see which one moves more quickly. The Matthias says that, uh, as the tells us, that the sun moves ahead of the moon. And therefore, the first point of the moon you're going to see is the top tip of the moon. The top tip of the moon, or if you want to put a different word, the part of the moon which faces the west. Because since the sun is going to travel faster than the moon, the first time you're going to see the moon is just before Shkir, on the day of Shkodesh. And the reason for that is, is because when the sun's in the middle of the sky, the moon's too small. At that stage, you're not going to see the shine. Of course, you notice the reflection of the moon. But when the sun sets, uh, after, on the day after Shkia, and now the moon is, is just behind it. So you'll see the moon just before Shkia, the tip of the moon facing the Shkia, and a few minutes in the, in the corner of the sky. And then as, as, and then as the, the, we get further into the month, so then the gap between the moon and the sun widens, which means... The moon will be that will set that much later than the sun, and we'll have more and more of it later. That's what we're talking about. That we're talking about the Nairakonin Chatzos or Arta Chatzos, which means it takes six hours. And therefore, if the if the Moilat, which means if the point of con- where the moon and the sun are lined up, happens before Chatzos in the day, so then we're going to still see the moon that night, because in six hours the sun can travel enough ahead, and you'll still be able to see a very small moon, but you'll see something of the shine of the moon just before Shkir. Whereas if it's after Chatzah, before Shkir, just before, just before Shkir, or just at Shkir, but then you'll see there's enough time, it's six hours, which is enough time for us to start seeing the new moon. Whereas if the noise, the motor is only after Chatzah, you're not going to see the new moon today mm-hmm. because the, the, the gap isn't big enough yet, and therefore the sun and the moon will both set when they're still too close to each other to be able to see it, which means I'll only see the moon tomorrow. 
Now again, why is that important? Because we ha- if the Ayyam come along and say, we saw the moon tonight, now we have to know, when was the Maylid? Because okay. if the Maylid was more than six hours ago, it's possible. If the Maylid was less than six hours ago, it's impossible. And therefore we know the Ayyam were lying. Now, the reality is, this is the system which we understand today, because we understand much better the science of it, but this is the Chazal knew as well. And therefore they understood how to compute exactly how much of the moon they would be able to be seen, and where it would be able to be seen, because uh, it also depends on the month of the year. In other words, besides the fact that uh, we're talking about how many hours after the moon you're going to start seeing the first sliver of the moon, there's a second point also, and that is which way is it going to be facing? Is it going to be facing due east, or is it going to be facing northeast or southeast? And it really depends on where the sun is. Because in uh, the middle of the year, that's in Essen and, uh, and Tishrei, when the months are equal, so the sun's setting due west, uh, due west of the moon, so then the sliver is going to, or the moon you see will be facing due east. In the summer, when the sun sets further to the north, so then the, the angle of the moon will also be facing north. And in the winter, when it faces more south, so the angle of the moon is going to be on the south. So it's not just a question of that when, when was it possible to see the moon, but it's also which, which way are you going to see the, so to speak, the curve of the moon, which way was it shining, which will tell us also is, is in the right place or not. And also the Chazar to know the mathematics to understand. And then that's why he says uh, that from the Chachma of understanding how the planets work. And the, and the algorithms or the calculations that Chazal had to work it out, we still have his Mustafa and there is a section which deals with explaining uh, the sizes of the various planets and how they work. Looks at the size of the world in comparison to each one of the planets. And also the nature of the stars, which is another factor. Now that you just spoke about the moon, if a person wants to work out where the various stars are going to be, there's also a calculation because the person has to know where in the world, where where we are in our revolution around the sun, and then what position we're going to the sun set if we're going to see the stars on the opposite side of the sky, which one and where it's going to exactly how to work at the angle of where it's going to be. And not only that, we said yesterday that they also understood that there's a certain uh, flow of ruchnis which comes through the stars, depending on what the, which stars are then prominent or dominant, and therefore we have some rasam, and understand the effect that they have as well. Valiasam, when they rose, when they rose, that's when they astrology. Said, that's uh, Torah astrology. Not today's astrology, which is normally not accurate, not reliable, but yeah, the Torah's understanding of astrology was also part of understanding of the positioning of the planet, and so really where each star or the, would set, or which planet would set, would rise. So certain kochos would flow through the stars? else which really doesn't affect us in Halacha, but we uh, know it's there, which means just like the sun rises and sets based on as the world turns and the moon rises and sets as the world turns, the truth is all the planets also do, because as we turn on our daily revolution, so there's this point in place where the planet is and it's going to cross our horizon as the world turns. Now where is that planet and when are we going to see it? Well it depends, the planet is also moving, so depending where we are during the year and depending where the planet is on that cycle, is at what stage you're going to see the planet and the rise and set. That's also it's a calculation. And this is important to know. This is, that's, this is, this is something Chazal did know, but the Maestro doesn't affect Halakh in any way, because but, but we don't have any Halakhs which are based on the position of the planet. Doesn't it, it doesn't affect Halakh, like we said, because there's no Halakh coming from the planet. In order to come to an effect that various Kaychas flow through various channels, which is 
and heavenly bodies, so then of course, knowing when Shabtai, which is Saturn, or Tzedek, which is Jupiter, or whatever else it is, was the dominant planet, so to speak, that was the one which was, was focusing, was there and shining on the world, would make a difference to the Hashbah. And the Gemara talks in Shabbos about the fact that there's a muzzle based on which time a person is born, the Gemara says you have to know the planet. It's based on the planet of the time. The muzzle first for planets, and therefore, let's say a person who's born under the influence of Madim, which is Mars, uh, the Gemara says Madim is the red planet, as we know, as the influence on making a person bloodthirsty. Now, what I said, it means it could be a murderer, it could be a sheikh, it could be a moil. There are lots of ways that a person could use that, but it's a certain hashpa, there's a certain influence of that. That's one who's born an influence of tzedek, who's Jupiter, which is Russian tzedek and is just, so it will be a tzedek. You know, a person who's more just, who's more fair. And therefore we see that there was an Indian in knowing what, which of the planets was there at the time as well. Now, again, today we have telescopes, you can just look. But then they didn't have telescopes. So that's like as then the knowledge of where the planets would be was only based on calculation. And they have no to do that. And the Siyosam, the Shirosam, when they're at their height, when they're going down, the amount of time that they're moving across the sky. This is one of the branches of wisdom that Kai Shaw were famous for. Shmuel, the Chachma Gemara, the Amari Shmuel, when Chachma Gemara he said, the hearing is Shvirid the Rakia, Kishvirid the Narda. That the paths of the sky are as clear to me as the paths of his hometown Narda. Which means what are the paths of the sky? It means the route the planets are taking, or the route that the stars travel. So it is as clear to me to understand the system of, of the orbits of the various planets and the stars as the streets of my hometown of Narda. How did they get that? How did they work it out? They spent years studying uh, astronomy. The answer is not. It was someone just given as a messiah because they didn't have the tools to work out any other way. It is very askable error in Atara. To work out with the passage of the moon and, and the halakha when it's going to when we're going to see a new moon, the vara al hishabrimashemish ba moilad when it's going to line up with the sun, which is the moilad, the ace is staring, when it's going to disappear the amount of time that it disappears because it's too close to the sun. And afterwards until it reappears again, which is six hours, and all it needs are a barrachina. We need to know the principles of mathematics to understand the angle, to understand how you work out the, the circle of the circumference that each one takes around the world. And that came from learning that the knowledge that we're given to understand the Torah, we understood these principles too. And knowing when the various seasons are, we said that the way that Kufus work isn't just based on the weather, the way that Kufus work is based on the position of the sun to the stars. And to understand that also, it's known clearly, Ashafel, Rum, Akavoya, Rum, Valias, Valafahas. If you know, you have to work out the angles. In other words, the stars are moving. So to know exactly the angle of the world of where the sun sets, and what then at that stage the stars we can see is, is something which keeps changing. The Gemara says that every two hours, you know, there's 12 Mazaris, and they, the world spins in 24 hours, so every two hours another Mazal. So exactly the point, which is now the Mazal, which is going to be on the ascendancy at Shkia, where it's not exactly to work at the angle of the sun. The person is going to apply themselves to learning this field. It's impossible, he also won't come to understand the Chachma of the rest of the system. Uh, what would we do find? The Chachma of the nature. 
which is totally explained us in the Akami Siri and what this is. We mentioned that we said the Rebbe Derek Hamikre, Lebe Kavana Lelami the Hakma he clear with me. Wasn't the Chazal were trying to teach the, they were trying to teach science, they were trying to teach the laws of nature. It was a necessary tool to explain the Torah. And therefore, if the Gemara discusses these things, the Gemara wants us to understand that it's in order to use it to learn Torah. It wasn't in order to use it as a as an end of its own right to understand science. And therefore, he finishes up and he says, of course, you understand that uh, we talk about uh, the the wise men of Greece, the scientists and the philosophers of Greece, having written down their knowledge of the physical world, says the Chacham to the king, and it's understand, obviously, there was Sparim also that the Chachamim wrote of explaining these things. Because, why? No, why? Why have to write Sparim about it? Yeah. So we see that even just like the Torah itself, which wasn't allowed to be written down, and was because they got to the stage where the Chachamim was scared things were going to be forgotten. And we understand for sure other branches of wisdom which then so people needed to know and would also get forgotten they had to write as well. Now, if there were such farm, the obvious follow-up question, question this is, where are they? In other words, the, the Sfarim that we have of the Mishnayis, of the Midrashim, we preserve. But if there were Sfarim that Chachamim wrote with other branches of knowledge, what happened to them? Now, this raises a very interesting question. We have Rashi in there in the first one in this week's passion, the Sefer of Melchamais Hashem. Where is the Sefer? The Sefer that were written in our law. So there's an interesting question, and that is, how many Sefer have we lost? How many Sefer have we lost? Of course we have the Mishnah that we have. We have the Midrashim that we have. We have the, even the Gemara that we have. But there's a lot we don't have. There are some things we know about that we lost, and there are some things we don't know about because we lost. When we lose them, we didn't, as a result, we never knew the words, such things existed. Rebbe is right, that would be my first example. The Torah talks about one of two spirals, which we don't have anymore. The Sefer Melchim Hashem, which was uh, whatever that Sefer was, we don't have it. It existed at the time of Rashi? This is the time of the Torah. It's the Alkanian Yama of the Sefer Melchim Hashem. It was the book of the wars uh-huh. Hashem fought. We don't have that Sefer. Similarly, the Nach, the whole way through uh, the Sefer of Melchim, Talks about the Sefer Debra Yom in the Malachi Yehuda. Or the Sefer Debra Yom in the Malachi Yisrael. We don't have the Sefer Debra Yom. So it says everything else that the king did is written in the Sefer Debra Yom. We don't have it. Something to get us asked At the end, talks about all the Maisha Tokfuk Verosay of Achashvarish. They're written in the Sefer Debra Yom in the Malachi Mordeo Paris. We don't have that either. But it's not a Sefer written with Nevo. Now that's not important to us because that's a Goyish book. But it just shows that even things wasn't just us. There were lots of books of antiquity which got lost along the way. For sure, Sfarim, which weren't, which weren't guarded preciously like the Torah, will get lost. I mean, even Chalak Torah got lost too. The Midrashim we now existed and we don't have. Uh, there's even Gemaras, Misechtas, of the Shas, we know that some stage got lost mm-hmm. and we don't have. Um, and uh, therefore, to say that there were other books which were written as guidebooks to help us learn outside fields of information, it's, it's, it's not a hard thing to understand that they got lost as well. Okay, so therefore, he says, it could be that the Chachamim wrote their, their knowledge as well. Obviously, they wouldn't disseminate such books, which would add to the reason why we get lost. In other words, as you know, obviously, the more that something's publicized, the more likely it is you're going to keep copies of it. 
something which is kept hidden is more likely to get lost completely because it's less available and less people know about it. And therefore, something which was widespread and public and everyone was meant to have, like the Mishnahis, so then it's less likely it's going to get lost because there's so many existing copies. So we're going to, it's more likely you're going to find one. But it's something like this, which Chachamim didn't want to share. It was meant to be kept something which was only to be taught to Chachamim who went to know it. So therefore, it's much less known, it's much less widespread, and it's much more likely to get lost. And the best example of that is desire. Is desire. Being as desire was written at the same time as the Mishnah, perhaps even a bit before, but as opposed to the Mishnah, which was meant to be learnt and known and remembered by everybody, the desire was specifically meant to be hidden and given to a select few. As a result, there were hundreds of years that the desire got lost. Really? Oh, it was, we found it again, but there was a long time when people didn't have it. And uh, it's understandable. It wasn't someone which was taught. It wasn't someone which everyone had. Everybody knew. So it's much less, there'll be much less copies of Zohar around, and therefore it'll be much less likely that uh, that people would have a copy to to learn from than when it comes to other Zohar, which are much more prevalent. Okay. Safer Yitzhira. Safer Yitzhira we still have. Safer Yitzhira we still have. Um, you're right, there are other Midrashim, so now we have two. Uh, but there were a lot of other Midrashim, which we have fragments of. There are fragments of, but there weren't things which are well enough known, and remember, there weren't things which we deserve to, to have today. Okay, so that's the, the, what the Chacham says, that the king's, so to speak, assertion that, you know, we understand that the wise men of the, of the Greeks understood the astronomy. So the answer is, Chachamim understood astronomy much better. Not because they had the tools to work it out, but because they had a Messiah. And they passed on that Messiah, and the Messiah proved itself to be accurate, and could be even written down what the principles of that Messiah were. And like we said, that the, the non-Jewish world did not have that Messiah. And that's why they, they had to keep calculating and correcting and changing things, because they didn't have that uh, knowledge of the accuracy of how to work out the passage of time. Now, there's one last interesting point. And uh, that's... We said that knowing and understanding the mathematics or the geometry of the system and trying to work out how the system runs is that necessary to be able to understand how to do the secular shakhaydish. Necessary to work out how to add months to the year. Now, the question is, is that, does that mean that therefore learning uh, learning the system and learning how, how the moon orbits the world and how this world spins its axis exactly where the moon and sun are meant to be, is that called learning terror? Or is that not called learning terror? It's just a skill I need to learn terror. And that's a very interesting question. It comes up in lots of other areas also. And that is, information that I need in order to work out the terror, is learning that information considered learning terror or not? For example, on Shabbos. I'll be one example. Uh, yeah, for Shabbos, other extreme. I mean, I think a good example of this is Hilchus Hilchus means a person to understand the animal. So that before I can start talking about where the Nessus uh, connects to and doesn't connect to, and where the Besakosis is, and where the other various parts of the animal are, to learn the biology. I have to learn the biology. So I have to go and look at the animal and see the various parts and understand exactly what, how it's constructed. Now I can learn the Gemaras and the Sugis and see what the Gemara is talking about. Okay, is, the, is that biology plus learning Torah? Which means it's an interesting question. Is learning information that I need in order to understand the Torah called learning Torah or not? 
Or is that just giving me background to, to afterwards and able to return? And the answer to the question is, it very much depends the way I'm learning. So in other words, if I'm going to a biology class, and my intention is I'm going to learn um, a biology textbook to understand the, how the body works, and once I know it, now I'll come back and I'll learn, I'll learn the halakha so that I didn't know. It might be hechshemitz, it might be preparing for the mitzvah, but I'm learning biology. Whereas if a person is learning the sugya, and he says that the Gemara says that, let's say, this, if a, the hemsis is, uh, is punctured in the base of course, it's a trefer. So now to see what the Gemara is talking about, so I go find the animal. Now look, where's the hemsis? Where's the base of course? What does it mean that they connect, be punctured into each other? And that's part of the entire. In other words, I don't have an external textbook, so to speak, that I'm learning from as a topic by itself. And then after my knowledge is in place about the Torah, if the source of the knowledge is the Torah, and now I'm trying to understand the materials, to line up with the Torah I'm learning, then it makes it learning Torah. But if you have the question, you can go to biology? Yeah, sure. If I have a question I want to understand, then I'm trying to understand what the Torah is at. As opposed to looking at it as a separate topic to learn in advance of the Torah, then it becomes a non-Torah topic, then it becomes a topic of science, which I want to know. And okay. that's why we don't find, even that those Gedolim who had not a wide range of knowledge in various, terrors, in various topics which overlapped the Torah, they didn't start by learning other topics. Mm-hmm. They started by learning the Torah. And even if that now required them to go and understand and how the, how, how the science works, I mean, one, just one example. Shlomo uh, Zalman himself said, he said when he, when he was writing the Shemir Shabbos Kulchosle, and the question was using fridges and Shabbos, he said that by the time he finished writing the Zalachas, he understood fridges so well he could have, he could have built it himself. <laughs> which means he had to understand exactly how the system works. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if he called in, which engineer or electrician, he called in to explain to me how the system works. But he took time to understand exactly what the compressor does and exactly how the motor works and exactly how the thermostat works. And that was all part of learning terror because he wasn't going to a handyman's course in refrigerators. He was trying to understand the materials of the fridge to line up with the halacha, what we can do in Shabbos. So therefore, if the starting point is the terror, and a person is trying to understand the facts to line up with the terror, then that could be called learning terror as well.